Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo Show to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market like we are every Sunday here on WFLA News. I'm Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo team, uh, joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage. And I'm going to start off the show today telling you to get out and enjoy FL2K. Uh, I'm a motorsport enthusiast, in case you don't know, or if you don't follow me personally on Instagram, it's at Tampa Car Dude. Um, we're also at the Duncan Duo for our business. But um, but anyway, FL2K is an annual event out of Bradenton Motorsports Park where they do drag racing, a car show, and all kinds of cool stuff. And um, you know, I've always been a, a a fan of the events. I'll be out there personally with with some of my rides, and um, you know, got some cool stuff going on there. So if you want some good old fashioned drag racing uh, in Bradenton, uh, go check it out. It's uh, again FL2K.com. They'll be out there all day today on Sunday, finishing up, uh, having some. Uh, final trophy contest winners, and uh, hopefully the weather uh, participates and cooperates. But uh, but again, go check out FL2K today at uh, Bradenton Motorsports Park. So um, first time home buyers uh, have a unique um, you know a unique opportunity in today's market because of how low interest rates are. Um, you know affordability you know becomes a problem as prices rise. But with interest rates so low, there's a lot of first time home buyers out there, Mike, that are they're ready to take the plunge and buy their first home but a lot of them make a lot make mistakes it's their first time doing it right. uh, they think they can do it on their own they do research and find out that uh, they're wrong about what they think they find out online and um, you know so I, I think the very first step for a first time home buyer is figuring out how much they can afford um, they may think they can afford a certain amount but as we know whether they're you know, if they're self-employed, if they're a business owner, if some of their income doesn't get reported, you know, a certain way, um, th- there are some obstacles with how much they think they can afford and then how much a lender says they can afford. Right. So finding that out out front before they ever look at a house is step number one for a first-time home buyer. Yeah, it, you should definitely get pre-approved and seeing what, not just what we would qualify you for, but what you're comfortable with and what you feel good about paying on a monthly basis. And there can be a lot of things that go into it other than just your mortgage payment. You know, you have your taxes, your insurance. If it has an HOA fee or condo fees, there could be different things that go into that monthly payment. And and first-time homebuyers sometimes don't think take those things into account, yep. and then when they see that final payment of it all lumped in together, they're you know they take a step back. Yeah, and I think a lot of lenders that aren't local, I see this happen a lot with first-time homebuyers getting confused. I think experienced homebuyers know that when a lender estimate estimates insurance and taxes, that's what it is. It's it's like a you know it's a it's a shot in the dark, and it's oftentimes especially if someone's not local to know our millage rates or what our right. insurance costs are. It's often off with the local lender. You guys have a much better grasp of that, and even though you don't have the insurance quote, and you don't have the actual reassessment on taxes, you get a lot closer to what the actual payment's going to be for a local home buyer. Yeah, for sure. And you know, in Florida and locally here, a lot of the counties, their websites actually provide really good tools now to be able to ask, estimate what the taxes are. And a national lender's not even gonna know to go there and to be able to pull. And so there's a time of year where we can pull trim notices to find out what taxes are gonna be for this coming year and so on and so forth. And that way we can give people and get them to hone in on better what the actual payment is gonna be um, rather than just give them an estimate that could you know be a wide range later. Another important thing for first time home buyers, that down payment. Now, I think a lot of people don't understand the down payment. First off, there are, there are lenders out there as you or not just lenders, but programs because you guys, you know, are the only lender I'm going to talk about on this show. Um, but there are programs out there 
where, you know, lower down payments are possible. People don't have to have 20% down like they think they do. Their, their, their stuff is low as 0% down. Um, you know, so you do need to save for a down payment if you don't qualify for one of those programs. But there's a lot of low down payment opportunities available for first-time homebuyers. Yeah, I mean, that's I still every week I hear somebody say they thought they had to put 20% down. And a majority of our, I mean, we have so many, we have zero, we have some that are, are 0% down. But a majority of our loans are 3% down, 35 5% down very low single digits amount of money that you have to put down and a lot of times people just didn't realize that it's possible and once we tell them that they're like wow that opens up a whole new world to them of you know from i thought that i would never be able to buy a house wow i can actually do this and, and that sort of thing and so that's why we recommend call us right talk to us about what those options are see what you actually qualify before you go out and go shopping and fall in love with the property um so you know what you can actually qualify and how much money is going to you're going to need to come up with in order to close yeah, avoid going overboard in a bidding war. Another mistake first-time homebuyers make, um, they overextend themselves. Uh, look, we know that there are bidding wars right now, but he here's a secret ninja tip for you. Um, bidding wars aren't going to be as common in the fourth quarter as they are in other right. times of the year. So if you're a first-time homebuyer or any homebuyer really that's been sitting on the sidelines saying, you know what, I'm waiting because of this or because of that, or I'm not, I'm not ready to plunge because I lost out on bidding wars, you have a much greater chance of not having that happen in the fourth quarter. Look, we still have low inventory, but buyer demand drops a little bit during the fourth quarter. Um, you know, we do get an increase in population, um, you know, that brings new people in, but uh, spring and summer are hottest season. So when we're not in our hottest season, you don't have as many bidding wars. So um, you still want to avoid going overboard, though. Uh, look, um, you know, lots of buyers out there making offers that say, you know, we'll go above the appraisal price. And then right. they're draining their savings and they're putting themselves in a tough position. So it's not as if we know it's competitive. We know it's a competitive market. We know you may have to do it. Um, but but you you certainly don't want to go overboard in a bidding war and, and extend yourself past what you can afford. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's that old adage, you know, people buy emotionally and then defend it with logic um, later, but they buy emotionally. And so that's why doing it up front before you're looking at the properties and knowing what your limits are so that you can stay within them when you find the properties that you're looking at and decide whether or not you're going to make an offer or how high you're willing to go on something so you don't get yourself into a situation that you think is right at the moment in the heat of the moment, but comes out later on to be not the best choice for you and your family. You know, and I'm, I'm not going to drop these tips yet. So you got to keep listening. But in the second segment, I'm going to go into some tips that if you're for, if you if you are a buyer afraid of a bidding war or you're tired of losing out, I'm going to give you some tips that that you can execute yourself or that you can tell your real estate agent to do. But truthfully, if you have to tell your real estate agent to do this stuff, you probably have the wrong real estate agent. You probably need to go to the DuncanDuo.com and give us a shout <laughs> because these are things we do for every client. But uh, but I've got some tips coming for for buyers to help them avoid bidding wars and find uh, properties where they can still get a great deal today. But but moving forward to talking about first-time homebuyers, buying this a home site and seeing is probably one of the worst mistakes first-time homebuyers make. Look, I've bought hundreds of properties, sold thousands of properties, um, flip, home, flip tons of homes every month. I can buy a home site unseen because I can know those numbers in my mind. I have the cash to take the risk. I can do the renovations. I understand the market. I have resources with labor. Um, First-time homebuyers don't have that. Far too many of them watch shows like the Property Brothers or shows on HGTV, you know, flip this house, whatever it is. And they think because of how the TV show is crafted that it's easy. So they think that they can go and do that. And, I, you know, every every month it seems like we have a first-time homebuyer that bought something six months ago coming back to us to sell it because they got in over their head. Right. They thought it was easier than it was. So first-time homebuyers, truthfully, 
I strongly encourage you not to buy a home sight unseen unless A, you're a contractor and you plan to do do your work or B, you're married to a contractor <laughs> and you want to get divorced or C, um, you know, if you really, really know a contractor, like truthfully, you really shouldn't buy a home sight unseen as a first time home buyer. Buying home sight unseen are for experienced home buyers, for investors, for people who have done this a lot and know what they're getting themselves into. For sure. Um, it, it's definitely something that uh, you shouldn't do. Um, you you know, finding homes, smart homes, and using smart home upgrades. Uh, great tips for first-time home buyers. Um, you know, putting in smart thermostats saves them money. Putting in energy-efficient appliances, energy-efficient air conditioners, um, solar panels in some instances. There's a lot of things that buyers can do to cut uh, down those monthly costs of, you know, electric bills sure. and, and water bills and, and different things that, that can save them money to allow them to extend their budget a little bit further. Um, so, um, the other thing that people don't realize, Mike, is that some of those upgrades you can actually finance into the purchase. Um, yep. You know, depending on how expensive they are and what they are, sure. there are ways that they can reduce their down payment costs and then they finance it in. And then when they start saving the money on their bills, they're actually getting a cash on cash return that's greater than than you know. I mean, it's it's a great return when they right. do some of those things. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's there are programs that allow to do especially energy efficient. Um, you know, upgrades that are put in there that you can finance that in there that ultimately, you know, look, it's better for the environment too, right? It's overall good thing. It's energy efficient. It's, and it's going to save you money. Um, and like you said, you get cash and cash return. It's in, it makes sense. Another first time home buyer tip that, uh, that I think is tried and true. Okay. Drive the neighborhood at different times of day yes. before you make an offer and also take your commute at rush hour. Don't take your commute at Saturday at 1130 a.m. and then say, oh, it's only 17 minutes to my work. Because guess what? Monday morning at 830, it ain't 17 minutes to your work. We, we have that happen a lot where people say, oh, I didn't realize it was going to be an hour and 10 minutes for my office. And now I want to sell it and move closer. Um, so, so, you know, do the if you're a first time home buyer, make that commute. You can plug it into Google. Look, they're, they're, you can right. plug in times to Google. Um, but the reality is that, um, you know, I, I still think you drive it. I think you drive through at night. I think you drive through different times of day kind of get a feel for the neighborhood um, in terms of, you know, w what happens in the neighborhood, you know, what it, what it looks like, what it feels like, all those types of things to make sure it's a match for you. But, but I'm a strong proponent of that. I'm also a strong proponent of talking to people in the neighborhood, um, you know, not necessarily the sellers because, you know, look, real estate agents don't love for clients or agents to go right. directly to the clients. And, and sometimes that can go wrong. I can go bad because there's emotion and stuff that's there. But talk to some neighbors. Say, hey, what's the neighborhood like? You know, find some people that you know that live in that neighborhood and and get their honest take on it. Um, a lot of times you can find some of that via Google. Um, but think about it. If someone owns a home in the neighborhood, are they really going to go online and talk about how bad it is? Right. Um, no, because they're going to devalue their own house. That's why it's better to do it in person. I know people today, they don't want to have actual conversations in person. They just want to call and text. <laughs> right, you know? yeah. But you might actually have to get out of your car and talk to someone. Yeah, look at my die, um, right? Yeah, you might have to. So. Anyway, first time home buyer tips after the break. We've got some coming. When we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials. Um, I'm going to give you guys some tips for how to find um, inventory in bidding in markets that have bidding wars. How to how to make an offer that stands out. Some unique things that don't necessarily cost you more money that are just creative. Um, when we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials. We are at the Duncan Duo, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok. Yes, we're on TikTok. I don't do TikTok. So 
Um, I, I can't. If if I if I tried to sign up for TikTok, I would literally watch videos all day long. Oh yeah, and never get anything it, done. Uh, yes, I would never get anything done. So um, my marketing guy Z here uh, is always the guy doing our TikTok stuff. He comes up with some creative ideas. So we do have a really cool TikTok channel. So you can again follow us there. We are at the Duncan Duo. And again, after the break, if you're a home buyer, if you've missed out, if you're tired of losing out on multiple offers. If you're tired of inventory not being put in front of you, I got some tips for how you can find inventory that no one else is making offers on after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa real estate market. I'm Andrew Duncan, joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage. If you're a home buyer and you've missed out on bidding wars, I've got some secret ninja tips that you need to use or that you need to share with your real estate agent or fire your real estate agent because they didn't bring them to you and go to the DuncanDuo.com. In all seriousness, though, um, a lot of bidding wars, right? A lot of buyers getting frustrated. Yes. So we get buyers that come to us and say, hey, I want to make an offer on the house, but I don't want to deal with a bidding war. So how do I do that? Well, the very first tip that I'm going to give you is to look for inventory that other buyers aren't looking at. A lot of home sellers go on the market today and think their home is worth more than it is because the market's hot and they overprice it. And by the time their home gets to the right price, it's at 60, 90, 100 plus days on the market and no buyers are looking at it. So if you're a home buyer looking for a good inventory, you might have seen a house three months ago and passed on it because it was priced too high and now it's priced right. So look for homes that have been on the market 60 plus days, 100 plus days, make offers on those houses. Be aggressive with your offer on those houses because those are sellers that are going to start to get motivated. Right. Those agents and those sellers are going to be concerned. Is this house going to sell? What's wrong with it? And what's wrong with it is simply that the seller didn't listen on price and they overpriced at the beginning. And now they're in, an, an, in a vulnerable negotiating position with, um, you know, with a home buyer that um, is savvy. So look for homes that have been on the market a little while where you know the, the agent you know, not necessarily the agent, but the seller or the agent overpriced the house and now it's priced right, but it's stale. Yeah. Um, another one uh, that I would look for are homes with bad photos. Okay. Right. Um, dark photos, photos where the real estate agent was too lazy to get out of the car and you see the mirror in it. Um, you know, photos that, that, that are, you know, just rainy and dreary and ugly. Um, go drive by those houses when it's a nice day of sunshine. Um, so many houses get overlooked because of bad photos. That doesn't mean it's a bad house. Right. So if you're a buyer, again, look for those homes that maybe been maybe it hasn't been on the market 90 or 100 days, but maybe it's been 10, 15, 20 days and doesn't yet have an offer, but has bad photos. Um, because it may not be a bad house. It just may be a bad photographer or a bad agent. So look for those houses. I think, that's, that, I think you know. that's such a good one. It's such a good tip because, you know, sometimes with the professional photographers, they do such a good job and they make the houses look awesome. Yeah. And so as you're scrolling through, if you're doing it online or looking what yep. your real estate agent, then you see one that isn't professionally done. And you're like, oh, this is a dump. Something's wrong with it. But it's not. It really it's just not. was the photographer or it was just somebody yep. doing it on or their own. Or rain that day. Or yeah. rain that day. Sure. And then it looks dreary. So everyone clicks next. Yes. I and mean, look, we're in a generation today we're in a very narcissistic generation <laughs> right. where people want the house that they're going to buy to look picture perfect. So when it doesn't look picture perfect, they pass on it and it can still be your picture perfect dream home. Um, but they just had a bad photographer and you know what, after you buy it, go take some cool pictures <laughs> right, of it that you can right. show to your friends that you can yep. put on your, you know, your Snapchat and your Instagram. So you don't feel like a loser because you have ugly jury <laughs> photos, but that's the reality of it. people click next, you know, yes. on bad photos. So, um, you know, the last one that I'll tell you um, that I think it's uh, th that is also kind of, a, you know, a characteristic, go outside your search area a little bit um, or go a little higher on price. Um, sometimes there's such things as like strategic price points, for example. 
Um, strategic price points are what real estate agents, smart, really exceptional real estate agents, because not everybody understands this. Let's say, for example, you have a home that's worth, you know, 400000 You don't price it at 399000 Okay. Right. If you price it at 399000 yes. everybody that's searching up to 400000 misses you. And everybody that says I'm looking between four hundred and six hundred dollars and misses you. Okay. So there are times when you put a $385,000 house at 400000 because it gets more eyes. Okay. But a lot of agents, because it will get more eyes at four hundred than it will at three eighty five dollars because of how search works and how people use $25,000, and $100,000 increments. But what happens is you get a, a house that's priced at four fifteen or three eighty. dollars and you're missing those points, and sometimes it gets them less traffic. So you can sometimes bump up your price and go a little higher than what you're looking for. Um, and, and maybe you can negotiate those people down because it's missing on search. There are people that are looking up to 400, not to 415, and they're missing such a large portion of the audience. So I would tell you, bump up your price a few percentage points. You may still be able to get the house for 400 because no one else is looking at it at 415. Um, but it's a great opportunity for you to find more inventory. So looking on the other side of that strategy number. And that is a super ninja tip that gets yeah. out there that you can, as a buyer, really take advantage of doing it because a lot of real estate agents miss that because people want to price it at yep. 324 Look, it's not gas. You're not a gas pump. Right, yeah. It's, it's real estate. Yes. It, you're looking on all these websites, and those, those hard dollar amounts matter. You know, I just listed a personal property that – I'm not going to give the address because I don't want people to then offer me lower. Right. You yeah. know? But I listed a personal house that I thought was worth a little bit lower than 400000 But I put it at 400000 because I knew it would get more eyes on it. Right. You know? so, so the reality is that, um, you know, but if you have to figure out what it is, just, just offer me four hundred <laughs> right. and I'll be happy. Yeah. But, but no, the reality is that uh, there are a lot of people that make that mistake. So you know what we're going to talk about next, though? Um, we're going to talk about celebrity real estate. Everyone loves this stuff. Professional athletes, celebrities, the unique things they do with real estate and how it applies to Florida. Because as I travel the country and talk to different real estate agents, it's so different. California is a privacy state, for example. You can't go on to their websites and look up their athletes or their celebrities and look up the, the owners of homes in, in a lot of instances. Here you can. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's really kind of interesting. There's some unique things that celebrities do and how they interact with real estate. And so if you if you love hearing about, you know, professional athletes and celebrities and real estate, we've worked with a lot of them. We're going to talk about that after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Look, everybody loves celebrity real estate. That's yeah. why HGTV, um, you know, Christina on the Coast, uh, the Property Brothers. Look, everybody loves celebrity real estate. And, you know, through the years, I've had some really cool experiences uh, working with celebrities uh, but also being friends with celebrity real estate agents, people that before, like like the Altman brothers, yeah. for example, before they became these super famous people were in mastermind groups I was a part of. So it's kind of cool to still have a have the ability to communicate with some of these people that are on reality TV shows that I know from before um, when they just ran regular real estate teams like me. Interestingly enough, um, you know, we've been approached multiple times by um, reality TV networks to do a show on us. And every time I say, absolutely not. Mostly because my personal life is basically just a, I can't even say the word, it's something and then show. Um, <laughs> you know, so I don't want to put that on TV, you know. But no, I just don't want the invasion into my personal life. But but the reality is that um, celebrity real estate is something people love talking about. And so I want to I want to give you guys an insight into what happens with, um, you know, with, with celebrities in real estate in Florida. We are a um, we are a, a Florida is a real estate market that doesn't have the same privacy protections that a, a lot of other places have. 
So to get the homestead exemption, most celebrities and professional athletes own real own real property here in their actual name, right? Because they want the tax benefits from that, and and they just have to deal with those consequences. Um, I remember a few years ago, I did everything I could to try and find a way to keep my homestead exemption and not have my personal name on my primary residence, and I failed miserably. So it's just not possible in Florida unless you own in a corporation and you give up your homestead exemption. So um, there's trusts and different things, but it's still pretty easy for people to figure out. So um, the, the reality is that you can look up, you know, it's why it was common knowledge where Derek Jeter lived. You know, it's going to be common knowledge when these athletes buy and own homes here, unless they buy them as second homes and then they put them in corporations then they right. put them in LLCs. But if they're living here as their primary and a lot of athletes and celebrities are doing that, they're moving to Florida and Texas from California for tax reasons. So Florida and Texas are the, are the two areas right now that are huge targets for celebrities and athletes to move to because of no state income tax. Um, but what they don't like is the lack of, you know, the, the, the privacy stuff. So, so again, you can look up, you know, who lives where it's, you know, you can go to the property appraiser's office and look it up. Some other unique things about, um, celebrities and, uh, athletes, uh, the involvement of agents and attorneys, most sports agents are also attorneys mm -hmm. and then they generally will have another attorney. So you're going to have multiple people looking through these contracts and questioning things. Um, you have a lot of non-disclosure agreements. So they, they want to make sure contracts are, are, are torn up, not sold on eBay with, you know, some athletes signature someday. Um, you know, they want to make sure things are kept private. So when we get calls from, you know, TVBJ or from, you know, any other local publication that want us to comment on an athlete's purchase or sale um, or a, uh, you know, a celebrity's purchase or sale, um, it's pretty much standard protocol to say nothing. Right. Um, there, there are rare circumstances where the, the person okays it um, or they want it out there right. for publicity reasons or, sure. you know, they've Some got do. a new they've got a movie coming out or, um, you know, whatever it is. Um, but for the most part, it's you know, you, you're going to say nothing and, and they want to keep it quiet. And as soon as it hits tax rolls, then people find out all the goods. But um, as far as talking about the specifics, um, you, you really can't do a lot of that. Similar to a lot of us uh, regular people. Um, a lot of athletes and celebrities that are married, um, it's generally the spouse, not the celebrity or athlete. And, and so I don't mean just the male. I mean, there's plenty of celebrity females for and sure. athlete females that have the opposite, that have their husband that's more of kind of the go-to for um, purchasing real estate. So a lot of your interaction, communication, showings are with that person. Um, another unique thing, uh, obviously security. Uh, security and safety um, you know, matter a lot to uh, celebrities and athletes. It's, it's interesting because I think we all know the stories about Tom Brady when he was living in Jeter's house and how you would get frustrated at how people could just boat up to the back of the house. Right. It became super common knowledge that he owned it. And yes, he's got a gate. He could keep people from the front door, uh, but the back of the house is you know, kind of easy for people to pull up right. and kind of watch what's going on. And so um, a lot of you know, athletes and celebrities really invest in extensive security um, they're concerned about where the location is. They like homes that are located in gated communities that are protected, um, you know, safe, secure, uh, you know, those types of things. Now, selling a celebrity or an athlete's house is also a unique circumstance. And here's why. And I've had to have these conversations, um, you know, with a few where they have a lot of really cool, like memorabilia and right. neat things. It's almost like a museum. Okay. You walk through their house and they have stuff signed and photos and jerseys and all these different things. And it's like, it's hard to tell them this because it's really cool stuff, 
Um, but there's going to be a lot of people going through that house. They're going to get distracted by the stuff and not pay attention to the house. You know, I, I you know, a few years ago and, and Jack Harris still talks about this on WFLA news, but, I, but we sold Jack's house and helped him buy, you know, another place. And we were selling Jack's house. I mean, Jack's, Jack's a celebrity here in Tampa, but you know, he's, yeah, he's for the sure. king of radio. People know him forever. And I remember walking through the house and talking to his wife. And she did, there was stuff she did not want to take down because she was super proud of it. I'm like, you have to understand, like, you know, you, you almost don't necessarily want someone to know who lives here because it's a negotiating disadvantage. And then secondly, you know, some of these photos that Jack has with some of these really cool, influential people and celebrities are going to distract people from paying attention to the house. And we just, you know, you want to take them down because you want them to buy the house. Um, you also want to take certain things down because you don't want the buyer to ask for them. Okay. Right. Yeah. Like that's another big one. You know, you're, you're going into a celebrity's house and they've got signed jerseys on the wall and you're like, oh, include the jerseys. If it's, and this isn't just for celebrities and athletes, this is for anybody listening that's going to sell their house. If you have something cool that you don't want to keep with the house, then take it down and hide it before you put the house on the market, you know, and, and it's just the reality of it. Now, I don't mean necessarily cars or boats. I mean, unless you're talking really high end real estate, then maybe it could get involved, but like you've got a signed lightning jersey, you know, in the living room above the fireplace, or you've got a chandelier that you bought, you know, I had one a few years ago, a chandelier that these people bought in New Orleans for like $20,000. And it was like the the coolest thing. And, you know, on they wanted to make sure it was excluded everywhere, but they wanted to leave it up for photos. And I'm like, every buyer that buys this, it fits. Every right. buyer's going to ask for that. Sure enough, what happened? We get an offer on the house, Including the buyer's the dead set. We're talking about a $2 million house and we're arguing over a $20,000 chandelier. And it went back and forth and back and forth. And guess what? They ended up including the chandelier with the sale. Now, if they'd have taken it down, the people probably still would have bought the house. Right. You know, but the, the buyers wouldn't have fallen so in love with the chandelier. So regular, you know, just look, everyday average home sellers, they're selling $300,000 houses. If you have something, furniture, if you have something that's cool that you think someone may want it, take it down. Yep. Hide it. Yes. You know, it's just... You know the 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 reality of, of and in today's you know, market, estate. you see more and more of that stuff happening, right? As negotiation techniques of, um, you know, going back and forth, and so I, I mean, I've seen more, you know, things from free tacos for a year yeah. to like the, yeah. all the crazy things you Taco see now Tuesday. that, are, that yeah. are part of these negotiations. And that's such a great point is that people may see something in the house that they want to yeah. keep that normally wouldn't. It's funny, back. like I, I was at a conference this week and I was laughing because, um, you know, there there was an agent in Colorado, okay. Now you guys, I said Colorado, you guys probably know where I'm going. Okay. But the, so, so we can't do this in Florida. So I'm not advocating for this, but there was an agent in Colorado that did a marketing campaign where if you buy or sell home with them, free weed for a year. And I thought it was hilarious. It was genius. You know, it set them apart. Sure. It could be bad too. Right. But I'm just saying like, there's all kinds of things like that going on today. You know, there's, there's, you know, just creative marketing strategies and, you know, all these different types of ways to get attention on a house. But if you're selling a home, and you don't want something to stay with it, whether it's a light fixture, whether it's a piece of furniture, whether it's, um, you know, the appliances even in some instances. Remove it before you put it on the market. That's super crucial. Um, you know what we're going to talk about next? We're not that far from this. Look, it's it's we're approaching Halloween. A couple weeks ago, we talked, talked about haunted about houses, yes. which was funny. Um, but but there are people that decorate for Halloween, but but probably more so in a few weeks. You're going to start seeing people decorate for Christmas. Yes. And um, if you're one of those people that decorates for Christmas and you're going to put your house on the market, 
I would tell you to put your house on the market before you decorate for Christmas or decorate really, really, really lightly. Light, yes. Um, it causes problems with electrical patterns. It can cause breakers to trip. It can cause people to unplug stuff, to break stuff. And probably more importantly, when you decorate for the holidays, people miss some of the key features of the home. You got some great big Christmas tree in the living room and it makes the living room look small. Right. And then you date the photos. You put the house on the market on December 15th and it's got a Christmas tree in it. And then, you know, January 2, people are looking at it and they think, oh, what's wrong with this house? It hasn't sold. They, they see in the photos. So, you know, decorating for the holidays. Look, I advocate for it. I'm like Clark Griswold Jr., man. I got the station wagon. <laughs> right. Um, you, you know, have Clark Griswold Jr., don't you? <laughs> I do, man. I got the station wagon. I got the, I got multiple Christmas trees. I mean, when I decorate, I go all out. Like my house is like, you know, like everybody walks by taking pictures. Right. I'm a Christmas decorating guy. But if I'm going to sell my house, I'm going to I'm going to take a year off or, you know, if I'm going to sell it during the holidays or I'm going to tone it down some. So just be super conscientious this time of year um, with not over over decorating your home. Um, and I'll get clients that will be like, oh, well, I've got this and someone going to be offended, you know, that maybe doesn't believe in Christmas, maybe. But in reality, I don't think so. I mean, look, you can't go into a retail store this time, you know, in, after the next few weeks and not see Christmas stuff. So I don't think most people, even if they don't believe or they have a different religious belief, are going to be offended right. as long as you don't overdo it. Right. You know, if your house is simply decorated and has some things that indicate that you're a Christian, um, you know, I think you're OK. Um, but. You have to be overly cautious to not overdo it, to not offend someone, because in reality, I think, you know, what we tell home sellers is, you know, look, it doesn't matter who buys your home, it matters, you know, what they pay you for it. You know, after it's all said and done, it's the money that's in your bank account and the satisfaction you have with the sale. Um, so, again, um, you know, you may have different beliefs. You certainly, you know, I don't think anyone wants to know that. You know, you kind of want to, you know, you don't necessarily want to broadcast that, but the reality is that, you um, you know, for the most part, people aren't going to get offended with, uh, you know, with some of that stuff as long as it's not overdone. So, again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on WF, WFLA News. When we aren't on air, make sure to check us out at thedunkanduo.com. Uh, you can apply for an instant cash offer. Uh, you can get your home sold guaranteed at thedunkanduo.com. We're going to be back. We're going to continue our conversation, wrap up with our last segment. After a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. I'm Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo team, joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage. And guess what? Before we talk about loan rates next week, we got hockey season. Yes. Tuesday. I know. Opener. I'll be there. Quest for the three-peat, right? I know, right? Man, they're going to try and match the – who are some teams that three-peat? We've had the Chicago Bulls do it. Um, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins The Pittsburgh Penguins have done it, but it was a a while ago. Yeah, it's been a while Um, back. But in but in professional sports, the three peat is very rare. Oh my yes. I mean, extremely darn rare. near impossible. It was there, so so I think the Penguins did it. Um, the um, you know Kobe did Kobe three peat? Did they? They three? No, I did they get three in a row? I don't know. I know they. I know he's got five, but did they three? How do I not know this? I'm like a Kobe Bryant junkie. And right. I don't know whether Kobe three peated. Um, I thought they got two and then skipped one, got another, and then he got a two peat. I, I don't think Kobe three peated. I think him and Shaq got two, and on their quest for the third one, they lost. They lost, but but I have this guy checking right now, and he's going <laughs> to verify. But anyway, the Bolts up for the three P, and I'll clarify whether Kobe three P did or not for all of our basketball fans. Um, but Mike, uh, loan rates—they did three P. Two thousand 
2000 to 2002. Man, that's terrible. I don't know. That. I was actually in LA for a lot of that time traveling out there. So I went that's to the awesome. Games. Yes. So um, anyway, um, loan rate or loan limits. Yes. Changing, increasing. People can, can go out and get conventional loans for more money today than they used to. What are the loan limits increasing to? Yeah, so this is this is big news that came out um, earlier this week. And normally this doesn't come out until usually like around the week of Thanksgiving. And it got leaked this year that it was going to come out. And it, as we've talked about, and, and most people know, prices have gone up. So it makes sense that they would raise the loan amount. They are going, conventional loan limits are um, scheduled to go from 548250 That's what they are today to get a conventional loan limit. Yep. All the way up to six hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, so a gigantic jump up to. So that means um, beginning next year, you can get a conventional loan amount up to six hundred twenty-five thousand. Gives you much more purchasing power, easier way to go about it. And the best news out is that we have, as a, as a company, Cross Country Mortgage, this week started said we're going to start taking those loans today. You don't need to wait till the beginning of the year. You don't need to close after January one. But we will do that loan now up to six hundred twenty-five thousand because we know how competitive the market places out there and some of our competitions allowing for it as well and maybe it becomes mainstream but nonetheless we're doing it today and because of the way the housing market is and you want to get it, it gives a chance for people to get into more houses yeah. um and hopefully get some more transactions done to be able to do this. So it's really, really big news. We have to wait and see probably next month to see if FHA will probably follow suit in raising their loan amount. They're in the 300s now. That'll probably go up significantly as well. But I think we're gonna. They're not gonna leak that and and have to wait. But um, conventional loans, six hundred twenty-five thousand um, dollars. You know that that means you know with five percent down, you're you're you know buying almost a six hundred and fifty thousand dollar house, and that really can put you into a whole different category, especially here in Tampa Bay. Yeah, and. I think that um, one of the other things that 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 does, it opens up inventory too. Yeah. So people, for example, um, that are hesitant to buy because maybe they that loan limit prevents them from doing something or they can't qualify, then they can sell, then they can buy. There, there are some things that that does. Um, you know, that in addition to um, you know allowing people to extend their budget it can create inventory too. So if you're someone that's been kind of looking at that or saying, you know what, I want a $600,000 house, but these jumbo loan, you know, terms right. and all this stuff conventional is, is an FHA and VA have been raised over time too. Like pretty much everything has been going up because values have been going up. Sure. Right. Yeah. They have been going up. And so we expect that those will go up as well. VA actually doesn't have a loan limit anymore um, that goes in there. So, so those are, it's sort of as long as they can qualify for it based on their, on the VA. Um, you know, they qualify for the loan, they can get it. But yeah, FHA, and we expect that'll go up. Um, may get any, even into the fours this year here in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, and so I would expect to see that. And as soon as it comes out, it'll probably be, you know, three or four weeks from now, we'll let everybody know. And then refinances as well, still great opportunity. People, as interest rates ebb and flow, there's still a lot of people out there that could refinance and save a lot of money or potentially tap into some equity to use for other things. That's that's probably the biggest one we're seeing now is people tapping into the equity. You know, so many people's houses are up 15, 20, 25%, you know, that they bought in the past year. I think on average in Tampa Bay, it's about 16% across the board on average. And people are going in and saying, okay, look, I want to put in a new kitchen or I want to get rid of my PMI that I had on the loan because, you know, they put 5% down, but now they've gained so much in value so they can refinance and get rid of, you know, monthly mortgage insurance, save money. So there's a lot of people, um, doing refinances out there and a lot of people going after um, getting some cash out of the property. Cool. So um, before we wrap, one last reminder, get out to FL2K today, Bradenton Motorsports Park, get some good old fashioned drag racing, some cool motorsports. 
Um, you know, we're finally back to having in-person events, That's which great. is nice. I went to a real estate conference this week for the first time in a long time. And, um, you know, got to be around people, got to high five people. Some people were afraid to high five me, whatever, you know, okay, I get it. You're still a little concerned, but right. you know, there, there were definitely some people out there like having fun and, and, um, you know, so in-person events are kind of back. I'm ready for hockey season to open, hopefully with full, you know, full force of fans in effect and, um, you know, excited for, uh, in-person events again. So super excited and blessed to, to live here. And, uh, thanks so much for tuning in and have an awesome rest of your day, Tampa Bay.